you know, Jay mentors Tony Robbins. He mentors Damon Jane from, from the Shark Tank. He mentors, he mentors many celebrities, and we are blessed to have him here in our, in our call today because I truly believe that he's one of those guys who could help you right now start sparking that thought process of how to bring innovation into your business. So without further ado, let's bring in Jay Abraham. Give him a hand. Almost impeccable, but I want to set the stage and then I'm going to have you guide me in behalf of your audience. And I'm watching myself on a delayed reaction, so hopefully the video is okay for you. So yesterday at about five o'clock, my colleague Brian, I said, what am I supposed to be talking about? He said, innovation. And I said, well, uh, I'm not really an innovator in the technology terms, but I'm probably, I guess, quite an innovator in thought processes, making connections, correlations, implications, seeing uh, associations, uh, applications. And I was thinking, uh, Raul, about a bunch of movies about mistaken identity. There's a lot of famous ones, uh, North by Northwest, The Life of Brian, the big Lebowski, and I thought, okay, I'm not really, I don't think of myself on innovation, but I'm gonna roll up my sleeves and I'm gonna do my very best to approach innovation in a way that I think is different than you might intend, but hopefully better because it'll liberate and it'll um, animate people's spirits and they won't get hung up on it. So if you'll let me, but I'm going to do it in a couple of different ways. And at any point where it becomes boring or it becomes irrelevant, or you want me to take any subject deeper, you have my permission to interrupt me. Is that fair? Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So okay. let's, let's jump into some, let me give you some, some framework so that we can start jumping into some Q and A as well. So maybe uh, if we have the microphones in the back too, Jay. Eventually, we'll have uh, the guys ask some questions. And, so and well, by the way, Raul, tell, give me the profile of your audience a little bit, please. So most 99% of the guys who are in this Zoom call and are here present, they own businesses, you know, anywhere, you know, eight, seven figures uh, businesses. We've been yeah. 10, 20, raise your hand, how, like 20 years, 10 years in the business, in business. Okay, impressive. Yeah. Okay, and are they from all over the country, yeah, world, country. region? Yeah. yeah, all over the country. In Zoom, uh, we'll probably have some guys the UK, I believe we, we did marketing great. in the okay, UK. Okay, great, that's wonderful. All right, so, and and what have you been talking about so far? Leadership, leadership. Okay, so the, great. the main concept here is how to become a better leader and how to bring innovation, okay. how to adapt to change, right? Uh, the, the quadrant that I wanna to touch base uh, on you today with you is is what I believe is is, is the quadrant of, of every, uh, every business, just sales is where the money is, right? If we have no sales, there is no money. Marketing. You know, making sure that we have a message, making sure that we have uh, a, a voice to be able to bring in our, uh, our clients. Systems, without systems, no business could ever thrive. If, 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 if you don't have a system, whether it's system technology, systems in, with employees, we have to have a system. And culture, culture, which is the, the energy of the company, which I believe culture is what 
what helps either scale or destroys a company. So, so with that framework, uh, Jay, uh, let's kick it off and, and let's start you know, talking about you know, the, the, the one thing that I think will help everybody in the room here is uh, sales and marketing. Is that, is that right? Raise your hand if sales and marketing, we can start with sales and marketing. Perfect, sales and marketing. Um, what are some of the innovation things that, that, that you recommend now as seeing the world, how has, has changed and how it's evolving? Um, I know that you know, sales is universal for every business. What are some of the strategies that you've, you've consulted companies with when it comes to sales and marketing? Yeah, okay, and, and I'll give you a preface for those who don't know uh, are not familiar. So my body of work has been very vast. It includes strategy, it includes sales, it includes business model, it includes uh, uh, overall positioning, it includes revenue system optimization, which I'll be happy to explain any of these. It includes value creation. It includes uh, uh, shifting access vehicles. It includes uh, <clears throat> it includes uh, strategic alliances, uh, power partnering, uh, joint ventures. So the first thing that I do when I work with a client is I look at what is driving their revenue. And I, I look at it for two reasons, uh, Raul and everybody. <clears throat> You're running a business. Theoretically, the business is making money. What is it that is driving it? And I break my work privately in behalf of a client two different ways. One is maximizing what you are already doing, even if, <clears throat> quite frankly, it's not the, 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 the wisest, smartest, highest and best thing, but it's driving the business. So before you, you know, you rebuild the structure and make it higher performing, you want to take whatever's working and make it better. And in 95% of the situations, most people are underperforming very, very badly the capacity of whatever they're doing. And so I start by doing what I call this revenue system optimization. So I look at everything they're doing. Is that that list? Yeah. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry, I had some stuff prepared that if I need it, I'll talk about it. So I look at what they're doing, who they're targeting, how they're targeting, why they're targeting, what they're trying to accomplish and what they're targeting, what result, what response they're trying to evoke from the targeting, what they are doing once they get that response, how they move that respondent either to a, 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 a transaction or if it's a first transaction, how they either sustain it, if it's a highly repetitive product, how they upgrade it, what they do, the vehicles they're using. Then I go and I look at all of those things and I go on and on. I look at, this is the first stage. And then I look at every of those points I made and many in between and I say, okay, let's look at how we can make it better. You're targeting a market. Uh, is that the best, highest, and the most direct way to reach that market? If the answer is no, what is? What is the message? If the message is abstract, can we change any and all parts? And just again, to not give a headache to everybody, I have been trained on working on what's called the geometry of a business, making everything perform at, uh, at many times greater. I have a methodology, if we have time, I'll teach calling 
called Taking Your Business Profits Beyond Exponential. And I can prove in a matter of two or three minutes to anybody that it is mathematically very possible to take bottom line performance uh, beyond exponential, five different ways to do it. And I can get into that. But the point I'm making is, it, you know, there's, there's many different, we'll call them levers. If you think about your life, our lives are driven, our personal lives are driven and enhanced by levers. Uh, brooms, screwdrivers, light switches, pop-top cans, car jacks, the buttons that open the door, cranks for windows. But we have all these higher performing fulcrums and levers available in our business revenue generating activities that we are not aware of. Now I need to make an interventional point. My life has been very blessed. Uh, I wouldn't wish it on everybody, but I've had the very good fortune over more than 40 years to figuratively and literally travel all over the business and the geographic world. I have been involved in over a thousand industries, not businesses. So I've gotten to look at all kinds of alternative ways of doing thinking, marketing strategy, business model. Most of you have not. I realized early in my life and what was a denominator of my explosive ability to maximize, multiply, and then compoundly uh, keep uh, growing profits was that I was able to take relatively common concepts from other industries, apply them in combinations with more other common uh, concepts from other industries and create hybrids that I could introduce to a company in an industry where everyone pretty much did the same thing and follow the herd. So I look at things from vantage points that most people don't because I understand how much more is possible and how many better and, and higher yielding and more strategic and more impactful and more, uh, more, uh, uh, more powerful alternatives are better. But I'm just giving you the basis that I use. So I started, you know, you're targeting an audience. Why, how, who else, how else could you reach them more directly? What is the proposition? How could we make whatever you are, whatever you are communicating to that market and how you are communicating it better? By the way, everything I do is designed to take the sunk cost that you have already and are already and will already make in marketing, action, uh, sales, uh, communication, access to the market, and make it produce many times more yield in each of those facets, in each of those stages for no more time, effort, investment, or risk. And the compound effect is how we grew companies 20,000% in a year. And you can stop me or I can continue, Raul, because I'm known to be a poster boy for adult attention deficit. And I want very badly to give inspiring but actionable ideas to your people. I'm, I'm taking notes right now, man. I've, I've gotten, I've gotten some, some insights in here too. So, so keep on going. Want me to continue? Yeah. Okay. So first thing I do is look all the way through the revenue system. And I'm trained to look at, at, uh, at factors, connectors, uh, levers that you don't even see. And, and there's a, uh, a tragedy here because those of you that use a Facebook or Instagram, they have an optimization process uh, 
it's very impressive, but it only optimizes one part of the system. It doesn't optimize all the things before, during, after that are not affected by their interaction. And that's where you have an enormously greater opportunity. And people don't look at correlations, implications, for example. And I'm jumping around, but I'll tie it all together. And I got notes I'd like to share in the time that we have. So, for example, most people don't understand that all, all, Buyers, all leads, all media are not the same. I got trained earlier in my life in lead generating. We did millions of leads for high-level financial institutions. And a lot of these marketing managers would say, okay, a lead's worth 50 bucks. And we would show them a lead might be worth 500 bucks. It might be worth $3. You have to look at source, you know, what it costs to acquire, how many leads per whatever convert, what the average unit of sale is, what other things they buy, lifetime value over the life of, of a reasonable purchase. And what happens is most people just sort of aggregate. I look at all the correlations. I look at different ads and what they produce. I look at what produces front-end profit and maybe not as much back-end profit. I look at what produces not much front-end, but a lot more back-end. I look at uh, correlations, implications, we quantify everything. And what happens, Raul and everybody, is most entrepreneurs, they, they, they look at marketing and they look at selling in the wrong way. They look at it as an expense instead of an investment. I'll give you an idea. So just to give you a quick uh, idea, most of them pay too much or too little. They will arbitrarily say, we're going to put 5% of sales or we're going to put $5,000 a month. Both of those are wrong. You look at the relative yield, the value of different sources and types of leads or buyers, and then you allocate an allowable cost. So in other words, if I have an ad or there's a media or I have uh, a category of buyer that I know is going to be worth a certain amount coming in first sale, or first experience, but a heck of a lot more over a longer period of time. And I am a three-dimensional entrepreneur, and I'll get into that in a minute, that looks at yield. I might invest three, four times as much. Let me give you a good example from early history. So I am known for a lot of my earlier stuff. Uh, we did Icy Hot before anybody knew what it was. And when Icy Hot was a mail order product, which it was in the beginning, we had no marketing money. And I was tasked with getting a thousand plus uh, magazines, publications, TV stations to run ads for us. And we had no money to pay them. What I did was I looked at the, I quantified the performance metrics of buyers. And I found that every time we got 10 new buyers, eight of them would repurchase within a month. And almost a hundred percent of those eight would buy monthly for a long duration until they either died or somebody came up with a cure for arthritis, uh, rheumatoid arthritis bursitis, because it was a great product for its time. More importantly, I found out that about half of those eight out of 10 buyers would buy one other product every time. Moreover, I found out that about half of the half would buy twice a year in bulk 
three figures. Make a long story short, the product sold for $3. It cost us originally, it's going to laugh, 55 cents to make it and ship it out bulk rate. This is a long time ago. With that piece of data, I was able to persuade the management who had no marketing budget to let me go to radio television and get them to use any unsold advertising they had available to promote our product. And we gave them all the money. We let them keep all the money and we gave them, believe it or not, an extra 15%, which nobody had done. And they thought we were crazy. We just wanted to get the buyer right away so we could start the second, the second sale. And even though we were about 55 cents negative, we analyzed and saw that we got half of our second sales route within 15 days. So it was very easy. Make a long story short by doing that. And I'm just giving you a short, and I'll give you one more example. Then I'll get into stuff more interesting. We were able to go from a thousand buyers to 500,000 buyers in a mere, in a mere uh, uh, 13 months. Give me one second. My office is right smack dab in the center of a magnificent private airport. And there's jets coming in. I'm going to shut a door so I'm not so noisy. One second. Is this helping you guys? Raise your hand. Zoom. Is this, is this gold right now? I want you to understand, like what I wrote in here is marketing has to be an investment. Most of us are looking at marketing as a cost. If we're not looking at marketing as an investment, we're missing out on the yield. We're missing out on the opportunity because... Just, you know, we do the same thing on the marketing budget is we pay to acquire a client, but we know the long term value of the client is actually going to make it up. And that's where I believe most entrepreneurs make the mistake thinking that they can afford marketing. Raise your hand if you feel the same way. I can't afford marketing. It's like you, the reality is you cannot not afford, <laughs> like if you don't, if you, if you don't want to make money, don't market. And, and Raul, to, it, let me finish. And then I'll give you one more story and then I'll, I'll hit on what you said. So we ended up with uh, 500,000 buyers, but that wasn't really the cool. We accidentally, because I had a thousand different media sources running ads all the time for us, we got what today would be about $150 million of no cost advertising. And what it did back then, it forced retail distribution. What that means is, People started calling their groceries and their drug stores and asking, and we started selling there. And in one year, we went from a mail order product, which was very low value if you were going to buy the company, and we converted to a consumer, uh, 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 a consumer product sold in the stores, and that put a zero on multiple, like an extra ten uh, time multiple on the value of the business, and in literally. Uh, a year and a half, we bought it for 20,000. I did all that. And a year and a half, they sold it for 60 million, which today would be probably a half a billion. But I'll tell you one more story. And then I'd like to pick up on what you said. So I had a client a couple of years ago that sold fluid uh, transmission products. And what that means are PVC pipe that are used to transport fluid in manufacturing its chemicals in bottling its syrup, in agriculture, it's water. And they were a regional company with about five salespeople and they wanted a breakthrough and they had no marketing money. A lot of my people in the beginning had no marketing money. And so I, I asked them what their marginal net worth, lifetime value dynamics were and they had no idea. I gave them a formula, they came back and here's what we found out. On average, 
the very first sale, worst case they got was worth $200. On average, the average first buyer would buy five times a year on average, worst case, not best case, at $200 profit. On average, the average new buyer would stay three years. So if you do the math, worst case, on average, every time you get $200, you get five sales a year, 1,000 times three years, 3,000 of profit. Then I said, well, what are you paying your salespeople? And they were paying the salespeople 10% of profit. And I said, I'll bet you money your salespeople are not generating many or any new, new clients. And they said, no, they're not. And I said, well, they're looking at it static. They're not looking at the aggregate residual value, the yield, the lifetime value. They're looking at it as $20. Why don't you tell your salespeople that if they continue keeping their performance from their existing accounts at or above par, meaning at whatever level they have averaged, you will give them 100% of the profit on any first-time new buyer that's qualified that they bring in. These were two brothers. They freaked out. They went, why would we want to give away 90% of our profit? I said, you're not. You're investing $180 you never would have had for the $2,800 of profit you absolutely will get. And so now to, to, to and I go, I'm going to go on and on. I got stuff I want to talk about, or you can take me in a different foray. But towards Raul's point, there are two kinds of entrepreneurs. Or there's two kinds of business owners. One's a proprietor, one's an entrepreneur. I can get deeply into that. A proprietor uh, usually does nothing distinctive. He or she just tries to take commerce oxygen out of, out of a market by just trying to put themselves where other people are, but they're nothing distinctive. A real entrepreneur understands experientially how to, how to add all kinds of experiential value. They understand what value means to the other side. They understand how to compare, contrast, denominate what they do and why it's different, superior, more beneficial. But that's not the point I'm going to make. There are two kinds of business thinkers, two-dimensional and three-dimensional. Two-dimensional look at revenue minus expense equal profit. They're very transactional. A three-dimensional entrepreneur, much, much more successful, he or she looks at a third dimension. They look at it like a private equity would, yield. What is the yield I'm going to get over a period of time from this activity, from this lead, from this buyer, from this media source? And when you look at it that way, it liberates a whole expansive way of thinking. And now, to uh, Raul's question of how many people don't think they have enough money. I have, uh, we have done so many different uh, training programs and this isn't a pitch for them. I'm just making a point. We have a hundred ways that you can use other people's resources, assets, uh, business, distribution cycle, brand to get the equivalent of what you may not think you have money for but we have a concept called the unlimited business checkbook. There's always somebody else who's got the ability to provide you with what you think you are resource impaired and can't have, but that isn't even necessary. If you look backwards and if you regressively analyze the correlations, the implications of different things you don't know you know, for example, if you know that you get X amount of leads and Y amount of conversions and 
Z amount of first time sales. And then that there's a double Z on what certain people buy over and over again. And you can calculate that and you can demonstrate that as a return on investment. You can go to anybody who runs ads for second mortgages, hard money loans and say, I'll give you more than, than you can get for that on mine and also give you a piece of the, of the profit and you get money anytime you want. All you have to do is prove the predictability. So, so the first thing I do is what I said. Then after I've done all of that and we've got 30 different categories we go through that we look at and I've got a list of what many of them are if you want me to just throw them out from mindset. We then do what I call multiplying. We start adding or removing or in, or enriching what they're already doing. Uh, and, and this might be a one of a bunch of pivots. I just have a list to just, and I'm sorry, I had it thrown together when I realized you wanted me to talk about this stuff. We might do a business model pivot. We might do a product service portfolio pivot. And when you do that, you do one of three things. You added a lesser, easier to buy first step product you take other products or services that are complementary, and you add them to your, per, your, your, uh, your sales offer to double or triple the profit, or you add more products or services that you either own or create, or you get uh, access to either license, joint venture, and that can double, redouble, redouble again the value of a buyer. We do an R&D pivot where we make partnerships with other people that have whatever we don't to develop products, technology, uh, analyze uh, performance of our product against others, things that will give us marketing advantage. We do a supply chain pivot. We'll go to different vendors who want our business and get them to fund marketing in additional places in exchange for them getting all the business that comes from that either market or that media or that, that category we will do what I call a preeminence pivot. I'm known for creating uh, preeminence, elevating people's status in their market to that of the most trusted advisor, the only uh, viable solution, the maven. So we will do that. We will do a target market refocusing. You might be going after media that has some people in it that are your market, but there may be 10 higher, better, and more direct and responsive cost-effective ways to go after it. And cost-effective has nothing to do whatsoever with what you pay for a prospect or a buyer. It has to do with the overall aggregate long-term yield you are getting. I run full-page ads in the Wall Street Journal in, um, in um, USA Today looking for cool clients that can be profit partners with me that are worth me making 500,000 to a million dollars a year ongoing. And it costs me sometimes what I'm doing is I'm doing a $60,000 four page deal uh, along with the issue of the Inc 5,000 with Inc. And I want one client, one client's a deal. So you have to know what the game you're playing. We do uh, a positioning pivot because a lot of times the position that your company is taking is not distinctive, it's not preemptive, it's not superior, it's not comparative. And this gets to a really interesting point, Raul. When we bring a, a private client in, I have a 200 question assessment that I hit them with 
And part of it is asking them all kinds of questions about their direct and their indirect competitors. Direct being, I will give you an example. If I was selling a supplement you would take for weight loss, I'd want to know all about all the other uh, major weight loss supplement sellers. But I would also want to know about the alternative means to weight loss, people selling equipment, people selling portion control food, people selling personal training, group virtual training, recipes, uh, 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 weight loss weekends, anything, because I'm looking at market niches, I'm looking for gaps, I'm looking uh, at things that tell me how to make that client's positioning either stronger or counter-programming. We would do, when it comes to marketing, we do all kinds of things. We might change the approach. We might change the media. Uh, I am known, I'm giving you a headache probably, but I've created so many methodologies. One is called the Power Parthenon of Geometric Business Growth. And it's very simple. Most companies generate the vast majority of their business from one primary source. If you had time, Raul, and you go to everybody in that room and you ask them to stand up and tell you the main source of their business, it might be Facebook, it might be word of mouth or referral, it might be uh, you know, in non-COVID dinner seminars, it might be uh, YouTube. But the point is most people default to just one. We try to get people, it's a military concept, it's called force multiplier effect. Anybody there who was in the military would know what it means. If you and I were at war, uh, we would never be so. But if I was your enemy or you were mine and I wanted to win, I would mount a, a series of different, uh, different um, uh, uh, whatever I'll call it, a series of different uh, uh, aggressions against you. First would be knocking out your infrastructure, Raul, your Wi-Fi, your telephone, your uh, rail, air, uh, ports, and roadways. Next, I would probably do surface-to-air missiles. Then I'd probably do bombs. Then I'd do attack drones. Then I might send tanks, finally, if I needed military. But I don't care which of those strike the final blow. I just want to win the damn war. Hmm. And in marketing, we are very, very illogical. We put all our eggs in one basket primarily, and I call that a diving board because if you think of the board as your revenue and the source uh, and the support being the one source, if anything goes wrong with that source, you're screwed. If it costs more, if the Facebook algorithm screws up, if your salesperson leaves and starts his own business or somebody hires him or her because they now understand lifetime value and they pay them a lot more for the, the accounts they bring, you're screwed. So I set up for clients sometimes eight or nine additional ways to reach the market. So we would do something like that. I figure out different ways to tell the story. And we approach the story from many different vantage points. This is another mistake. People will do a test on Facebook and they'll find the singular best ad and that's the one they'll run. But they might not recognize that maybe there's two or three other ads totally different that pull a little less but still are very profitable. And if you ran those concurrently, you are, you are layering your impact. There are certain people that get one message and it's intriguing, but it's not enough. When they get it from two or three vantage points that bring 
the proposition more 360 and show a multitude of different implications they are inclined to buy. I'm just going to be a lot of things we do. We'll do a branding and messaging pivot. We'll do an SEO pivot. We have a, I don't do SEO, but one of my colleagues is the top person in SEO and we had him do a clinic just to prove the point. And we had a, we had 40 people let him look at their, uh, their, uh, homepage and their and their other pages and he found on average 30 infractions that were underperforming i look at where is underperforming leverage in a business that costs you no more you change you change a word you change an offer we've tested the difference between free and and stating that i will buy you this whatever and for qualitative purposes, I will buy you more often than not get some, not, not as many respondents, but much higher converting respondents. And it depends on what the game you're playing. We'll do social media pivots. I don't do social media, but we'll bring people in. We'll do enormous competitive intelligence pivots. And I'm going to give everybody a throwaway concept here. I'm, I'm going to go rogue on you, uh, Raul, because what I'm about to share will change everybody's life instantaneous and i know people want take home and action uh, value so i'm going to teach you right now what i call the amazon.com school of business marketing and business intelligence are you ready let's go two claps okay okay so one of the methodologies that i gave birth to a long time ago is called the strategy of preeminence it's about being seen above and beyond the maddening crowd of directing direct competitors. But one of the elements that is foundational is you've got to be able to put into words better, clear, more powerful, more resonating what people really want and are trying to get closer to uh, or away from. And most people don't know how to do that. They'll get a copywriter. And if you're copywriters, I'm not demeaning you but they don't really understand the mind of the market. They'll just write a lot of hype and a lot of bullets and it can work, but it's really suboptimal. So what we do is we take the category that you're in business-wise and every related category. And the first thing we do is we go to Amazon or any other bookseller and we go back two and three years and we look at the, the three years worth of the number one, two, three, about top 25 bestsellers in that category, if it's appropriate. And we look at the title and the subtitle because very often a book sells more for the promise than really what's in it. Then we look at the chapter titles for the same reason. We, we scrape them. But then we do something very powerful. We go to the zeros and the fives. And I think that's what Amazon still does. Zeros are the most negative. Fives are the most positive. And here's why. When people are inspired and passionate, positively passionate, negatively passionate, they can be thrilled or they can be pissed. Their subconscious overrides their conscious. And if you thought of anybody who was thrilled about something or mad about something and you back out the vulgarity, it's amazing how they express themselves. Clarity, uh, brevity, dimensionality, great visual uh, analogies. It's just incredible. So you look at those two because people who are upset and didn't get what they want, their subconscious tells you what they didn't get and what they want. People who got what they want are thrilled to tell you that. So you strip those and you put them into two different categories. Then you go to discussion groups and you do the same. 
Then you go to the reviews of all your competitors and yourself. And then you do the same with alternative means. And then you put them all together into three categories. The books are all the positivity. The negatives from all these are what people don't want. The positives are what people want. And between all those, you can create better scripts, better ads, better emails, better headlines, better topics, better bullets, better ways to express. We know you don't want this, this. That's why we only focus squarely on this, this, this. And if you use that methodology, I promise I have just doubled, maybe redoubled your success, whether it's on online, digital, whether it's it's direct mail, whether it's emails, whether it's landing pages, because now you have the mind of the market. So that's another thing, Raul, but I haven't finished my list. We do lead generating pivots because most people don't understand how to preemptively own the market on leads. We, we, we experiment with different packages, different offers, different rationales. We even look at what people buy before, during, after, and instead of what my clients sell. Because if you get access to what they buy before, you have a preemptive hold on them before they start going and comparing all your competitors. So sometimes we will acquire those kind of products and make that free if it's, or, or, or buy it for them if it's low cost because it's a preemptive access to what we sell. Sometimes we will package it. Sometimes we'll go into that business and sell it at a break even or loss because it's much less costly than what it costs us to buy the, the buyers for our more expensive second tier business. I hope this is getting people thinking because it's just one thing I do. Uh, then uh, strategic partnering. I've done, we created a $500 million a year uh, gold brokerage in a year with no investment by partnering with every investment newsletter that was appropriate, every uh, investment uh, seminar company that was appropriate, every uh, company that sold, I'm sorry, I have stuttering a little bit here, that sold investment books, every influencer we could find. I did $250 million of seminars about 25, 30 years ago when I was younger and more like your age, Raul. And we paid very, we, I think the totality of fixed expense was 300 grand over three years. It was just payable on performance. We had Tony Robbins, we had Success Magazine, we had the in-flights, we had 25 newsletters, we had Brian Tracy, we had everybody endorsing me. We, we went to the people that had the market. Uh, and there's a great statement, a, a famous copywriter who died uh, a while ago had great phraseologies and he used to do an exercise. So a really cool exercise. He would say, he would say, uh, Raul, if we gave everybody in your audience the ability to open a restaurant in Los Angeles and have one advantage over everyone else, what would that advantage be? And you go around the room and they might say, I want the only McDonald's for 25 miles. I want the only uh, uh, Arab restaurant at the intersection of five uh, highways. I want the only, uh, in, and you can give me whatever brand you want. And he'd go, okay, you can have it, you can have it, you can have it. At the end, he'd say, you know what I want? a starving crowd. So you want to find out who's got a starving crowd and partner with them. And, and there's all kinds of ways to partner. I, I've done, 
you know, I've done, you know, five day trainings on how to do it. So it's not something you want to talk about now, but just to give you an example, you can do it many different ways. I'll tell you three cool stories right now that are very fascinating. One is mind blowing. So Carnival Cruise, which most people know of today, and they own five other cruise lines and they're multi-multi-billion. They started out, the guy had one secondhand boat and he couldn't even afford to paint it. I knew the man that worked for him, true story, on both sides. So he had to always bring it in on the painted side and it wasn't very successful. It went out every week half empty, which means he had about 400 rooms that were empty and not being used. And if you extrapolate to today's pricing, that might be $1,500 a room per week going out empty, 400 times 15 is $600,000 of, of buying power that went down the drain and literally. And my friend got the idea of taking that unsold rooms, going to radio stations, television stations, magazines, and trading it to them for advertising. But he was very astute. He literally gave the radio and the media two years to use their credits, but he used his right away to get cash buyers. And that was the vehicle they used to get Carnival Cruise cash. So it was very interesting. But they also found out that everybody that used the trade would usually bring another couple or their kids and pay for that room. And they also added a surcharge when you redeem the trade credits of $90, which paid all the housekeeping and the, and the cold cuts and the food for the trip. That's one thing. People don't know this. Most people know what AARP is, but they don't know the origin. The origin is years ago, a company called Colonial Pen, a big insurance company was started with the goal of being focused on group selling, going to organizations, going to companies and selling group policies. And they were struggling and they were struggling and they were struggling because they were having trouble getting groups to buy from them. And uh, one of the brilliant directors said, if we can't get a group, why don't we start our own? So they started the American Association of Retired People, AARP. So they would have an insurance client and they sold billions of dollars of insurance from that. Uh, DHL, when they first started uh, ended up, uh, very interestingly, they came to the United States and they went to all the radio and TV stations and they offered to trade about $10 million worth of advertising for, uh, for advertising for them. And they got advertising. It made DHL successful, but they had a dual strategy. They knew that if they got all these radio and television stations using them on the trade part, when the trade expired, they were now... They're acclimated, addicted, comfortable with DHL, even if they had used FedEx or, D or UPS before. So now they would evolve to paying clients. And that's what happened. I can give you 9 million examples. But we look at, at that. Then we look at LTV expansion pivots. If you understand, whatever your, your sales model is now, by adding one more factor to it, an easier entry product that gets a lot more people to start a relationship because sooner people make the first purchase, the sooner they make the second, adding one or two more products to the initial sell that may not double the revenue, but may triple the profit, adding more expensive products or services additionally to extend the sale. Any of those factors 
dramatically changes the lifetime value and it can double, redouble, redouble it again. Uh, I'll stop there because I don't want to run out of time. I hope this is helpful. I mean, I got so many things I could talk about. Raise your hand. Is this help? Is this helpful? Every single one of those men here, man, is we're eating this shit up. But here's why we're eating this up. Let me make and roll. I need to make stuff. If I may, let me make one more distinction that is that is business life changing. Again, I've done so many different things. These are just a few, and I'm not trying to be arrogant or tout my. Uh, unique acuity. I'm just saying I've gotten the privilege of seeing all this stuff. So I'm going to do an experiment in your audience. Okay. How many people are sitting in that audience? You have 30, 30 guys in here. Okay. Raise your hand. If your business generates between 15 and a hundred percent of its business right now from either word of mouth or referrals. Okay, everyone is raising your hand. Stand up, please. And don't sit down until I tell you. Okay, now sit down only if you don't have in place at least one formalized, systematized, continuously focused and adhered to referral generating strategy that you and everybody adheres to continually. If you don't at least have one, sit down. If you don't okay. have a system in place. At least one, okay. Least one if you don't have more than two, sit down. Okay, I normally can get to three, but here's the point. Before I tell you this. <laughs> He got one standing, he got okay, one standing without going through. through. No, no, if he's standing, okay, stay up, stay up, stay up. If you got more than, how many do you have? Three. Okay, that's impressive, and it's and it's three times more than 95% of the entrepreneurs out there. Now, let me make a point, and then let me make give a gift. So the point, Raul, is this. A referral-generated buyer will buy quicker, will buy more, will negotiate less, will be will buy longer, will be more enjoyable to deal with, will will uh, will stay longer, will refer more people, and most importantly, cost you nothing. Now, compare that to most of these people will probably still do Facebook and anything else. And when you look at what those advertising that it cost money, are all about, they are about starting to develop the most outer and and weak periphery of trust. You have to take that trust and move it many levels to get to purchase trust. And even with purchase trust, they're still sometimes uncertain and apprehensive, whereas with a referral generated buyer, you have trust immediately. That stated, we have analyzed over a thousand industries and I've identified, this is mind boggling, over a hundred different strategies for generating no cost, no risk referrals. And they, they apply to all kinds of things. You can do them at the point of sale, you can do them before the sale, you can do them to people that don't buy, you can be do with inactive buyers, you can do them seasonality, you can do them uh, when new uh, product services come out, we even have a method, Raul, where you can develop in your community 
as many as a thousand network referral sourcing army of entrepreneurs and professionals in as little as six months who will continually feed you referrals. And with all that power, almost nobody does anything about it. So now I just wanted to add that because it's a very fascinating and a very unique uh, perspective. And when you realize the, my whole job is to make people aware of what's wrong with their picture and, and show them how much more is possible from time, effort, uh, 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 access. And just so I, I, I provoke them a little more, my latest body of work is called Taking Your Business Profits Beyond Exponential. And here's, uh, here's uh, uh, the essence of it. And then time allowing, you can ask me anything else you want, Raul. But, uh, but it's based on the fact that over the course of my life and continuously, I keep coming up with new and advanced categories of ge geometric business growth methods that can be applied to an existing business that could require no more investment, no more time, no more money, and no more risk, but just take either what you're doing and make it better or replace what you're doing with something much better. And I always wondered, because I have over 30 of these categories, each one of which separately can produce just outrageous bottom line increases. And I always wondered what's geometry on geometry on geometry, and I finally looked it up, and this is mind-blowing. There is mathematical proof that you can take performance five gradients above exponentiation. It's called hyper-operationalizing, any of you mathematicians out there, and it's, I think, tetration, uh, heptation, pentation, some other-tation, octation, there's just so many zeros, you can't believe it. But what it means is, is when you know you can actually take revenue performance well above exponential, well above geometric, you should never allow yourself to ever operate any facet of the revenue generating part of your business in the incremental zone if you can do it in the exponential zone. I'll give you two quick examples and if i was there i would do it in person but i'll do it vicariously and hope that it works uh raul put yourself on for a minute if you can yeah put me on guys okay pretend like you and i were meeting stand up and pretend like we're shaking our hands i extend my hand to you and we do this right yep put it down and that's a pretty uh, benign and uh, and not a very impactful action. Would you agree? Correct. Now, if I was there, I would do it again. And we would you would put your hand out, and I would then turn it like that and cup it like that, and for one minute look at you uh, uh, with authenticity and sincerity, and then slowly put it down. And I would turn to the audience because I've done this many times before COVID. And it's visually superior in its impact and its, and its residual value. Now, I do it one more time the same way, turn it, that, but then I'd put a hand on your shoulder. 95%, 5% freak out, 95%, that triple play is more impactful than you can imagine. Now, it takes the same amount of time, doesn't it? 
Let me give you one final example. And I got so many, but this one is pretty close to home. Most people in that room, directly or through their team members, utilize the phone in some way to either stimulate, close, reactivate, or sustain business. But most people are, are they're not strategic. They'll make a call and they will seem to be uh, surprised when they get either a voicemail or a gatekeeper when statistically, Raul, 95% of the time you're going to get a voicemail or a gatekeeper. Like, oh, Raul, it's uh, J-Ram following up on uh, your inquiry. That's pretty lame and pretty, pretty, uh, it's, it's, it's an incremental and a feeble and a non effective move. What you want to do is prepare and expect that over a live person, or you want to expect a gatekeeper, and you want to prepare a message, and then subsequent messages that 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 uh, advance and enhance this that are both provocative and evocative. For example, Raul, I know you're busy. You, you, you inquired about the fact that we have the ability to double and maybe redouble and maybe redouble again the profit your business generates from exactly what you do with no additional profit or, uh, or risk. I know you're busy, but every day that you keep doing whatever you're doing, you're probably leaving two-thirds to three-quarters of the bottom line on the table. And in 15 minutes, if my schedule accommodates, I can show you exactly where it is, how to get it, do a quick impact analysis, and then you can decide for yourself whether it makes sense. But I'm very busy, so I need to schedule. It's going to be a little more effective, don't you think, bro? 100%. 100%. Okay. I'm done with what I was going to say. What do you want me to talk about Man, now? This is awesome. Give him a hand, guys. Give him a hand. You know, and before we go into Q&A, so I want you guys to prepare yourselves for some Q&A. We'll take three questions um, for Jay. Jay, what do you, why do you think business owners don't take action on this information? What do you think people, you know, I've, I've coached men and, and, and most of the time that I see there is a block that stops them from, from, from doing it. What have you seen in your experience that stops a business owner to, for implementing some of the strategies? Uh, I'll tell you what. First of all, they don't have clarity on what they're trying to do. They don't have understanding of how to do it. And, and, and if, you think about, if you think about a young child, um, most of you either have or know somebody that has a you know, baby that's, let's call it, almost a year old. And when they're trying to walk, talk, eat, uh, pee, poop, or when they're older and trying to ride a bike, they're terrible. And the only real way they ever make it through it if they didn't have someone to champion and believe in them, they would stop. And I think a lot of people have tried stuff and they don't understand the, mac the method of, uh, to the, to the uh, application or stand the implication or stand the dynamics. And they, they have a terrible outcome and they retreat, never want to do it again. They don't know how to get started. They also don't pick, they don't realize that in most cases, you can experiment very conservatively and very safely without, I mean, I do things at a much larger level for two reasons. I'm a hypocrite because I don't always follow my own rules. 
and I can afford it. But but most people don't know it. You can test suppositions, hypotheses, alternative realities, new markets, new marketing, new approaches so inexpensively and so quickly. And it's not always totally definitive, but if it's indicative and it starts showing life, then you do more and more. But no, they don't have they don't have people like me to, to not only you to teach them or hammer them or believe in them or hold them to a higher standard and not let them let themselves down. And more importantly, I'm blessed when you've seen how much more is possible from time, opportunity, people, markets, marketing, uh, uh, product services. You, you, you hurt for people, but most of the people don't have that perspective. Um, my, my life was transformed 45 years ago because I'm hopelessly curious. I wanted to know everything I could learn about everything I could learn about. I wanted to see why this business did it different, what their model was, how they did it, what the drivers were, what made them position. Most people don't invest the time to understand it. They don't understand on a nuclear granular basis all the levers that are going on in their revenue system. They don't even realize they have a revenue system, even if it's dysfunctional. And they don't try to identify the easiest levers to fix. Uh, we do now what's called a beyond exponential consulting. I start with the first and I go to the second and the third all the way to the 30 or 35th category, and then we keep iterating and cycling. But what I used to do, which is very effective, but it was a little harder, was I would just look at a business because I've got enough pattern recognition, and I would find what I call the log jam. The one thing you focus on first, that if you fix that, it's going to immediately produce greater yield, more revenue, more leads, more profit, more, uh, you know, more opt-ins, more whatever, and then you do the next and the next. And most people have never been trained to do that. They don't know what to look at. They don't understand how the dynamic works. And they're living in a, you know, they don't even know that they're living in a world of quiet desperation. I mean, I have a, uh, a book we wrote 10 years ago called The Sticking Point Solution, and it identifies nine ways people get stuck. And it also makes a very... Uh, a very provocative point. It says it's very possible to be successfully stuck. And by that, I mean, you can be producing profits that give you a very good living. You can be producing profits actually above your competition and think you're doing great. And if that is your worldview, you are, but when you see how much more you could be getting from everything you're doing, everyone you're doing it for, every way you're doing it, that can be so suboptimal that you're leaving, you know, an enormous amount on the table. But nobody really takes the time to slow down and do it. You have an environment where I just hopefully open the window. I don't know how many more hours or days you're going to do this, but now you have the time to build on it. I hope you have great methodology of your own. But here's another point. Statistically and research-based, when people go to any learning environment, a seminar, a book, a video program, a uh, consultant, they only retain 9% of what they hear or experience. And that presupposes 
it's pretty linear. It's very, very, very structured stuff. With stuff like I do, it, it blows your mind and you start tripping out in the middle of being told the next and the next distinction. So you don't even hear it. So it cuts it in half. You only retain four and a half percent. So you have to revisit this over and over again. And you have to stop at intervals and identify what is the implication of that? What is the application of that? How do I directly or indirectly adopt or adapt it? How do I extrapolate? And what would be the most intelligent way to apply that concept? And that, and when you get that whole spectrum, then finally, Raul, you need to put a, a, a friction factor number on it because certain things are gonna take longer, be more complex. Certain things are gonna be easier, faster. They may not yield as much profit, but what you wanna do first is allow yourself the, the easiest and the most continuous uh, progression of wins so that it reinforces the, 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 the merit of, of continuing to do that. I hope that helps. 100%. I think, you know, from my experience, what we were talking about earlier on today is fear. Fear that it may not work. Fear is just too complicated. Fear that, you know, maybe it's just worse for Jay or this is worse for Raul, worse for you know, those people who are lucky. But the reality is, if you don't try, nothing is going to work. If you don't do something about your situation, if you don't innovate, if you don't adapt to the change, nothing is going to work. So thank you, Jay. This has been an, an amazing session. We're going to take, you know, three questions from here. So, you know, the mindset of the entrepreneur has to be primed to take action. So I don't want just this to be an opportunity for you to intake information. I want you to write down three things that you're going to take away from Jay that you're going to implement. As we get ready for the questions, three things. I know Jay said, like, you gave, I think, uh, you gave us a, a, a hundred strategies, but three. Just three. Let's keep it simple. Are you, are you going to look at your revenue? Are you going to look at the referrals? Are you going to look at the systems? I mean, I have here the vocation, provocation, you know, test, investment, the yield, the partnerships, you know, the value. What are the three things you're going to take away from this session that you're going to be able to implement immediately in your business to be able to have a better return? You have a question, Matthew? Who has a question for uh, you have David? Um, how are we doing with time, Jay? I think we have you for a couple more minutes. Ten minutes. I've got about ten more minutes. Perfect. Thank you. Hi, Jay. It's all been great stuff, um, but something sparked in in my own business ventures that I'm trying to get going is that that partnering with someone that has the clients that I'm looking for, and then what are the strategies you use to identify a suitable partner? Well, there's two ways. There's direct and indirect. Uh, and your name is David. Is that yes. David? So first thing is you, you, you take generic categories. Influencers, they can be consultants, they can be, uh, they can be podcasters, they can be bloggers, they can be platforms, they can be media. And then the next is a little more indirect. Who's got the macro profile from which you know exists a number of people who would be your your prospects, but it's not the normal. In other words, if you're looking for high-end people and you normally are looking for people interested in investing, you would go to people who have something related to that. Somebody who wrote a book or somebody that's got a, a but you might also go to a, a, an organization or an individual that reaches entrepreneurs or reaches 
doctors. So you can go at it two or three ways, but the key is you've got to be able to, first of all, prove the value of association with you, figure out how to make it not just profitable, but safe. If they are apprehensive at all, David, before they do it, say, why don't you let me, why don't you nominate two or three people from your, your organization, your clients, your members, your, and I'll, I'll do stuff with them and you can and they'll let them, let their response determine whether you want to try this. And then if they say, well, that makes sense, but I, I don't know. And then you can say, well, we could start small and you figure a way to do a small segment of their audience first. And, you, and, and that's another concept of mine called risk reversal. The more you can take the, the, the risk, risk or resistance apprehension, uncertainty out of moving forward and saying yes, the easier it is for someone to buy in. And that, that applies to everything you do. Yeah, that's excellent. Thank you. Two claps. Next album. Who else? Two more questions. You have somebody here? Yep, right there. Stand so up, please. Stand up. Thank you for your time today. M much appreciated. Uh, my name is Seth Simonian. Um, I'm in hospitality, and you talk about a referral-based program. To me, in my world, right, what that relates to is loyalty and how you're leveraging your existing client base to bring new clients in. How would you recommend in my world, per se, to maximize that opportunity? Well, it's, it, and please don't be offended, but you're too abstract. Are you high end, low end, one unit, 10 units? Tell me what it is. I would say we're kind of middle of the road in between fine dining and your chain restaurants, and we have about four locations. Okay, well, I've done lots of things. A couple of things you can do. Rather than spend money on marketing, you can do two things. You can go to your better clients and say, we love your uh, patronage, and we would like to acknowledge that and do something fun, and it might, uh, it might um, benefit the restaurant. We would like to buy you and any uh, other two people or a couple you would like to bring who have never been here, lunch or dinner on us, and try it small and see what happens, because when you do that, assuming it's a good experience and it's not just a, you know, uh, you know, a one-time destination type place. It usually works. We've also uh, done something outrageously fascinating. We have hired good-looking men and women, uh, uh, millennials, and given them the title of assistant manager and identified all the influencers in a community and had them go there and be very straightforward and say, I am the assistant manager of such and such a restaurant. Uh, we, uh, you've probably not been there. They say, I have, then you switch to something like I just said. If they say I have not, you could say, we believe uh, that once and if you dine there with anybody uh, you bring, you know, significant other, colleague, team member, you're going to be so impressed that you're going to come back many times over. And we don't want to wait for money to change hands. So I would like to buy you and, and any other person you'd like to bring lunch, dinner, whatever you want to do. 
And on our, you know, on us, the only, there's no catch, but you have to pay tips and taxes and whether you can legally give them, uh, you know, a glass of wine or not. And I've done that before and built a huge business that way, but there's two easy ways. Excellent. Two claps. Next level. One more. Last question. Right here, Jeff. Jay, thank you so much. Uh, very appreciative of, of your time and your, uh, your knowledge. Okay. Lots of nuggets here. Uh, I'm in, I'm in uh, property management, and um, we, we focus on college student rentals where we just get kicked in the face by parents who don't think their kids do anything wrong. And, you know, they didn't damage the place, they didn't tear up the place, but here's a thousand pictures otherwise. And so we always fight just trying to get a, a good reputation but in the end, you know, it's, it's they believe their kids did something that, I mean, they, they, they trashed the place, right? Is so, it really hard to get them to settle up at the end? Yes. Yeah, they want to fight and fight and fight about what, what's owed for the damages, even though we have invoices and photos and documentation. And, yes, they broke this window. It wasn't broken before they moved in, but it is broken now. And, and yeah. so social media kills us in our business. So we're always... And it kills my staff. The biggest thing is my staff turnover. Yeah, so let me ask you this question. There's a couple ways to mitigate it. One, what is, what is worst case, you know, I mean, not the most horrific, but on average, what's it going to cost you? Uh, typically, uh, a five-bedroom house, it might be, it could be $5,000, $6,000 for repairs, cleaning. The, okay, what's the, what's the normal deposit you request? On a, on a house like that, if it was $5,000 a month, 5000 bucks. Okay. Well, and, and, and do you have trouble because they want the deposit back, or you have trouble trying to get more from them? What's the normal friction point? Typically, uh, we'll get 20% uh, that leave the property, and they get the deposit back. We'll have 70% these days that try to do something in between. They, they, they make some attempt, but they don't finish it. And then the balance, they just leave everything and walk away in trash. So here's a couple of things you can do. There's a, and what's your first name, please? Jeff. Jeff. There's a really cool marketing concept that I learned years ago. And none of these are original. I'm just an emissary of brighter people. But it's called the Akio School of, you can fill in marketing strategy, positioning. Do you know what Akio is? Correct. No, yeah. I don't. So anyway, I know keto, but I don't know Aikido. Yeah, keto is the martial arts form that is based on using the, the, the power and force of the enemy against the enemy. So if, if you have desirable properties that will be rented because they're desirable, yes. then you can use the truth to your advantage. You can say to the parents who are going to be the guarantors normally, yes. let me tell you historically what happens at the end because we want the best relationship with your, your child and every one of their colleagues and their friends and with you. So 20% of, of, of the, of the, uh, what you, the occupants leave at the end and it's wonderful. 60% leave at the end and there are repairs to be made and take pictures of it all and just have a folder you send them. And you can say 10%, frankly, uh, abuse the house and leave us uh, uh, with direct cost expenses over 5,000. I'm telling you this and I'm showing you 
actual pictures from actual uh, homes we own and manage. So you will see two things. One, it is our desire to give you back your $5,000 at the end. We don't, we don't make any money, and we don't even want to bring in the team to do it. It's, it diverts us. It, it, it uh, interrupts our ability to monetize it. We don't charge for the lost opportunity. We assume your child has great character, your child has great ethos, and your child has learned from you to respect the, the facility. That stated, probability and outcome says that 80% of the occupants are going to leave it in some disrepair that is going to require using part, much, most, or all of the of the um, of the um, uh, of the deposit. In the very beginning, we like to have this discussion with the parent so they know our intention is to return the total deposit. But we can't do it if your intention isn't for your child to respect the house as if it were yours. We need to set that up because we would like at intervals to take pictures of the house with your and your child's permission. So if there are issues developing, we can intervene to protect your $5,000. Don't have to. And we want you to know that you will get pictures immediately when the child leaves and the house is vacated. And our greatest goal is to not uh, need $1 of that, but we can't, we aren't the ones that will make that happen. You are in either how you have parented or how you, uh, you advise your child and how you continuously monitor them. But we want to have this discussion because we don't want bad will at the end. We are very proud of, of the houses that we manage. We are very, we love the kids that work there, I mean, that live there. We, we uh, get disappointed, frankly, because we think the parents teach them greater values and respect for property, but sometimes they get uh, into a more uh, enlivened environment. But we'd love to have you do what you can to explain to them that that $5,000 return to you if they do a good job you can split them with it give it to them all we can do is try to help you help us give back your money something like that yeah okay great Excellent. very appreciative great two claps how many of you guys have gotten tons of value from jay in this last hour i mean thank you thank you jay i appreciate it and one of the things that we're going to do is Jay is one of the highest paid consultants out there. Uh, his average, you know, full disclosure, $15,000 an hour is what he charges. And, and what I've done with Jay is we put together a boot camp, a business boot camp. We're going to get Jay and myself for a whole day. So you just learn from Jay for one hour. Imagine what, hap what could happen if you have a whole day of Jay and myself. Because here's, here's what, I, what I see. The mindset needs to be ready for you to, to receive this. So what we did right here is we did a sandwich approach. At the beginning, I opened up your mind with the challenges, right? How do you write down? What are the challenges? Now we bring somebody who's going to bring the solution. Now we're going to spend the rest of the day focusing on the outcomes. How are we going to use this, the strategies, to actually get shit done? Results. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between a leader and everybody else out there. The leader gets shit done. The leader is focusing on results. The rest of the people are just looking for information. The rest of the people are just watching Jay and looking at his YouTube channels and looking at my YouTube channels and just consuming information, hoping that one day things will 
change. So today we're going to invite you to join us at the first Edge Bootcamp Business Experience. So we're going to put, um, we're going to put a, a QR code in there, just scan it, um, sign up for the, uh, the, the uh, date is going to be announced. Uh, I think we're going to have a, a small group to begin with. This is going to be a first of many partnerships with Jay. We talk about strategic partnerships. But I've been working, by the way, with a strategic partnership with, with Jay for years. You know, I, I met Jay about, what was it, four years ago, Jay? I, I drove down to New Jersey to interview you. Yeah, no, it was. I was where was I? New Jersey? New Jersey, yeah, four years. Yeah. I see. I was doing, I was actually doing, a, I think, a $25,000 deal for them. And I think you came down. We had a very nice, a very nice session. Yeah, I see. So what I'm, what I'm seeing is patience. Patience when it comes to partnerships. Patience when it comes to partnerships. Patience when it comes to, to, to bringing value to people. So at the end of the day, if, if, if you're looking to be able to connect with people who you admire, you have to be willing to go out of your way. Go out of your way to invest. Go out of your way to meet people. Go out of your way to make sure that you're sharpening your edge. So thank you, Jay. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. I can't wait for the, the first next level business bootcamp experience. And I'm looking well, forward to having you here live. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. And I hope I had it done. Excellent. Give my hand, guys. Give my hand. Bye. If you're a businessman and you're ready to lead, go to findmynextlevel.com so you can sign up for the Leadership Summit, an experience that's going to help you lead with power. Go to findmynextlevel.com. That's find. My next level.com. I'll see you there.